Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Fruitfulness. There are a lot of opportunities for us today to reach out to the hurting and the lost and the wounded and the broken. And our words have impact and they have influence. But the greater impact and influence comes from the life that we live and the way that we express love to other people. So today I'll be talking about fruitfulness. What is the fruitfulness in our life? Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? Because we are producing fruit and we are exampling fruit to the world and the people around us. So we're in this, uh, this series, Light of Life. My first point this morning is we should demonstrate good fruitfulness in our lives. As I just mentioned, we, we are producing fruit. We are showing fruit to the world. And it can be good fruit or bad fruit. Galatians, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Paul again writing here to the early church, and he says in verse 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And we've talked about this word let. What does that mean? It means we have a choice, right? We can let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, or we can choose to not let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then the next verse begins with then. So what does then represent? It it means if you do this up here, then you can expect the results to follow here. So he continues, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So we know that Jesus came to set the captives free. We know that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we would have the abundant life. So when, when we're connected and we're living by our sinful nature, we're not released to live this full abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Let's read on in Galatians 5.17. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So we want to yield to the Holy Spirit, but it takes the Holy Spirit working in our lives to give us these desires and help us to walk this out. Now, I want you to consider something. We yield to our flesh or to the Holy Spirit. Which do you submit to the most? Whoa. Hey, I like that. You guys are thinking, thinking out loud even. So imagine that you have a balance. And when we're unsaved, we're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. We don't even have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't really know to do that, right? We're following our fleshly, carnal nature. So, so when we're, we're, when we're uh, unsaved, we're, we're basically walking in our flesh. But as we get saved, then we begin to walk in the Spirit, more than the flesh. Now, I don't know anybody that's walking in the Spirit 100% of the time. Jesus was the only one. Because we're all human, right? But there should be some transition in our lives. There should be some change where we're not doing, we don't have the same desires that we once had because God has replaced those desires with desires from the Holy Spirit. So let's continue to read on. Galatians 5, 17. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. So does that mean that the Ten Commandments are are needed no longer? Kind of. 
Because when we're walking by the Spirit, we will have no other gods before us. We won't be lying. We won't be committing adultery. We don't have to live by the law because we're living by the Spirit of God in us that negates all, all that old fleshly stuff. At least we're aware of it now, right? Because when we're walking in, in the world, we didn't really know maybe that we weren't supposed to be doing these things. Or I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend... And he would use the Lord's name in vain. And I said, Robert, you shouldn't say that. And he, he thought it was just another cuss word, you know. And I said, no, that's, that's different. You shouldn't say that. I remember one time I went home from school with him. And uh, to show you the, the kind of lifestyle that he lived, he walked, we go into the kitchen. He says, hey, you want a beer? And I'm like 16 or 17 years old. And, and I'm like, no, that's okay. I'm good. And he pops open a beer and he's drinking a beer. But that was the culture of his home and his family. You know, where he thought a beer was just like a soda or something like that. And I'm like, no, I'm good, thanks. But, uh, but the thing is, and, and until we have the Spirit of God residing in us, we may not know these things. So you look at people in the world that aren't saved or that don't have a relationship with Christ, well, we can't expect them to have the same fruit of the Spirit that we should have as believers. So these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But... When you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses because we're walking in the Spirit. We're fulfilling the law of Moses because we're not doing those things, right? So Galatians 5.19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. I love that Paul brings a contrast here between walking in the flesh and walking in the Spirit. And so we've talked about these things today, but the, the topic today is fruitfulness, what kind of fruit do we have in our lives? Because we have fruit in our lives. Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? So he, he de defines what some of this, um, the sinful nature, the, re the fruit of the sinful nature is. The first one he mentions is sexual immorality. The very first one. And I didn't do any research on this, but sexual immorality is mentioned throughout the entire Bible. And who is, who's Paul writing here? He's writing to the church, right? And he's saying there should be no sexual immorality in the church. But yet, do we see it today? Do we know people that say, well, I'm a Christian, and they're having sex outside of marriage, they're living together? Do we know Christians that maybe are having an adulterous affair? Do we know Christians that, that are involved in homosexual lifestyles? And, and they may say, well, you know, but it's different for me. No, it's not different for you. It's sexual immorality. So whether you're involved in a homosexual relationship, you're having sex outside of marriage, you're having an adultery on your spouse, it is sexual immorality. And the Bible says, stay away from that. Remember a few weeks ago I was out there running, and I said, we're to run from sexual immorality? We're to run from it. Not to, to toy with it, but yet we live in a world where it is thrown in our face. There's a, there's a term in, in advertising, and it, it is sex sells. And if you, it's all around us. You, you can't watch TV without it being thrown in your face. And you have commercials where women are showing body parts because it gets attention. And nine, probably, I'm just making an estimation here. I would say nine out of ten men, if not ten out of ten, are going to 
they're going to look at that. They're going to catch that. They're going to see that. And so when we see those kinds of things, we should look away. We should not take those things into our eye gates because garbage in, garbage out. Because it impacts our lives. And so Paul's talking about sexual immorality. And so if we want to know if, if, if part of the fruit of our life is sinfulness, this is one area that we can look at. Do we have sexual immorality in our life? The second thing he talks about, impurity. Are we living pure lives? He says in Philippians 4, think on the things that are lovely, true, just, righteous. Think on those things. So what are we filling our mind with? That's why I love Romans 12 too. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so when those thoughts come or those impure thoughts come, we can push those aside. We can begin to sing a praise song. I will make room for you, Lord. I'm going to push this stuff out. We can begin to quote Scripture or think about Scripture. We can meditate on the things of God and not on the things of our flesh or the things of the world. The, the third thing he says is lex, uh, lustful pleasures. And we've talked about this before, that there's a, uh, an epidemic in our nation, in the world, with pornography. And I've told you that I've read statistics that say that 50% of evangelical pastors look at pornography on a regular basis. Not just happen to run across it, they're looking at it intentionally on a regular basis. Is it any wonder that the church is not addressing an epidemic in, our, in, in the church today? Pornography. And it doesn't just impact men, it impacts women as well. And so, lustful pleasures. It, it's not always just sexual. Are we lusting after other things? And so, we want to we really evaluate our lives and we want to say, what is the fruit in my life? What, what is resident in my life? What am I living out? What are the things that I'm thinking of? What are the things that I'm uh, involved in? Then the other thing he talks about is idolatry. Idolatry. Anything that we place above God is an idol. And it doesn't just have to be a material thing. It could be our spouse. It could be our children. Have we made a, an idol out of our children, our grandchildren? It could be our boat, our car. You know, it could be those kinds of things. I know what I'm talking about today is pushing on all of our buttons, I'm sure. But these are the things that, that are important for us to, to walk in the Spirit, that we recognize the gaps in our lives and, and the things that God wants to deal with in our hearts and lives, and we yield those things to Him. We say, God, I will make room for you to take all of this stuff out. And re refill me with the things of God. Re re refill me with your spirit. Sorcery. You know, have you, have you, do you read a horoscope? If you read a horoscope, stop. <laughs> That's not godly. Don't even entertain things like that. Playing with a Ouija board or having your tarot cards read or any of that stuff, it's sorcery. Don't play with it. Don't mess with that. Again, who, who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the church. And these things should not be. But yet they were back then, 2,000 years ago, and they're still happening today. He says, don't involve yourself in quarreling. You know people that just argue and quarrel all the time? Are you one of those people? Stop it. 
No. I can remember uh, being a part of a team meeting, and I said, why, why don't we quit the, the quarreling and arguing and fighting and backbiting and dissension and division and work together as a team? Because some people just want to stir stuff up. <laughs> you, for, you work in the environment where, you know, there may be, there seems to be that one person. Sometimes there's more than that. They're, they're just always chattering and talking and stirring stuff up. Why? So quarreling, jealousy. Are we jealous? Are we rejoicing with others when they do get a promotion or they get a new car? Hey, you got a new car. That's beautiful. In your mind, you're going, I hate you. <laughs> what is our heart? I'm just joking. Okay. But what is our heart? Are we jealous or do we rejoice with others when they rejoice, when something good happens for them? Do we have outbursts of anger? I think this is a, a, great, a great example of what happens when we really need healing in our lives. When we have bitterness, when we have anger, um, those things come out. And, and what God wants to do is bring wholeness to our lives. These, many of these things are results of a deeper issue. And, and, you know, I know people that, uh, that are angry. And I think it's because they haven't been healed. Maybe they've been rejected all their life, or maybe they feel like they've been rejected. Whatever it may be. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. Is it always all about me? I'm just looking to get ahead, and I befriend this person, or I'm nice to them if they can help me, but once I've gotten everything from them that I need, well, then I'll just move on. Is it all about us, or is it all about him? Maybe it should be selfless ambition, that I'm not, I'm not looking to promote myself. I'm looking to promote the kingdom of God and, and Jesus. And I want people to see Jesus in me. I don't want them to see Mark. I want them to see Jesus. Dissension. People stirring stuff up. Division. The Bible says a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. I'm concerned about our country. <laughs> we need to be praying for this nation. But, you, you know, when, and I want to say this too regarding that, uh, the biggest problem is that we're turning away from God. We're taking God out of our society. That's our, that's our biggest problem. You know, it's not really a Democrat problem, a Republican problem, or independent, or whatever. It's a spiritual problem. And until we can come back and, and, and put, make God the center of our life, not just talk about it, I wonder how things are going to go. Because whenever you remove God from your life, from your society... It's going to decay and, and crumble. And, and so we are called to be peacemakers. And if you see someone causing division or dissension, you know, maybe you can, you have a relationship and you, you can go to them and say, hey, you need to stop doing that. You're not building them up. You're not building up the situation. You're tearing it down. Uh, let's be part of the, the solution, not more of the problem. We've got enough problems in the world, right? If we can't be the solution, we can point people to the solution. His name is Jesus, right? 
Envy. Are you envious? Drunkenness. Again, I think this is another indicator of something internally. When people have uh, addictive behaviors, it's not just drinking. It's, I mean, I, probably back then they didn't have fent- fentanyl and some of the things that we have today. But why, why are people caught up in these addictive behaviors? I think many times it's because of the woundedness and the unhealed areas of their life that they drink or they drug to, to take away the pain. And it doesn't work because you haven't dealt with the issue. You've only created more problems by trying to stick a Band-Aid on a sliced artery. And so it's, we, we come back to this place where we realize we need Jesus in our lives to fix our broken, messed up lives. All of us do. He talks about wild parties. Parties are great. I love parties. But he's talking about wild parties here where ungodly things are happening. And then he goes on, in case he missed something, or in case we missed something, and he says, and other sins like these. I can't name them all, but the Holy Spirit will reveal to us what they are in our lives, and sometimes he will reveal to us the, what's going on in the lives of others. Why? So we can help them, so we can minister to them, so that we can walk alongside them and say, let me help you in your struggles and in your challenges That's why relationships are so vitally important. These relationships where we we have the ability and the love and the freedom to speak into one another's lives. Because we're all in this together. And we need each other. And he goes on to say, let me tell you again, as I have before, Paul's saying, look, I've told you this before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do we all stumble and fall? Yeah, we do. But he's talking about, I believe he's talking about people living those lifestyles. Listen, if you've been struggling with something for alcoholism or drugs or pornography or whatever that may be like for five years, that's a bondage. That's not just a stumble and fall. That's a bondage that you need to be delivered from, that you need to be released from. But you're not going to find release by satisfying your flesh. And we all know that the flesh is never satisfied. Oh, just one more time. (laughs) One more time, that's all? One more time turns into what, a hundred more times? So we have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, remove this. And then we place ourselves in an environment that will help us. If you run around with drug addicts, you're probably going to become a drug addict. So that's why coming, coming to church on Sunday is important, so that we gather together, so that we get encouraged. Every time you come on Sunday morning or go to a life group or youth group or whatever, I want you to be encouraged. But I also want you to be trained or taught. And then I want you to be challenged too. To look at your life, honestly, and say, okay, this message today, there's something in this message for me. Oh, no, no, it's for my wife. No, it's for you. No, it's for my husband. No, it's for you. In fact, I want you to say this with me. Say, no, it's for me. (laughs) So God is working in our hearts and lives, but I think the problem that we find is that some people really don't want him to work in their heart and life. 
They're satisfied to stay where they are. And he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You won't get a ticket for having too much love, exercising too much, pe- too much uh, peace, or get a ticket for, oh, you, you exercise too much self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit that God wants us to walk in, not these other things. And so I love that Paul brings this contrast, and he says, look, these are the clear results of walking in your sinful nature. There's no ambiguity here. Yeah, there's maybe some things he didn't mention, but we get the idea. And we know that we have to let the Holy Spirit. In fact, can we go back to that slide? I think it's slide number six. Is that what it says? Uh, if I move down here. Oh, let's see. And this, well, let me talk about this. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So again, it's, we come into this place, we come into this relationship where our desires are changed. Because, I'm going to have a tall moment here, transparent, authentic, and honest. Every year, we put together goals. And we could just cut and paste those and go from 2015 to 16 to 17 to 22 to 23. Exercise and lose weight. Those are on there. But you know what? It never happens. <laughs> uh, why? Because the, the true desire is not really there. Because I can talk about it all day long. Oh, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose weight. But it hadn't happened yet because it's not a priority in my life. And so when we make God a priority in our life, those desires begin to change from what they once were to more godly desires. Now I'm lost. I'm totally lost here. Uh, Let's see. Twenty-four? Other sins like these. Okay. Okay, here we are, 29. Okay, wait, let me, let me read. Well, let me read 29. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We shouldn't be taking them back off the cross and wearing them. We've nailed them to the cross and left them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in some parts of our lives. <laughs> I think that's what some people think. Well, I'll let the Spirit lead me in this part or that part over there, but this part now. Let the Spirit lead us in every part, in all parts of our lives. So today, maybe we need to say in the reflection time, Lord, reveal to me if there's some areas, some pockets of my life that I haven't totally submitted to, to you and allowed you to shine the light of love in to help me with. Let us not become conceited. I was thinking about this. How do we become conceited? Oh, look at them. Look at them. Look at They're stuck in this. I'm better than they are. Excuse me, weren't you there at one point in time? (laughs) Didn't somebody pray for you? Didn't somebody reach down in the muck and mire while you were down there and help pull you out? Didn't somebody love you enough to reach out to you? 
Don't become conceited or provoke one another. Yeah, we're to love one another. Don't be provoking one another or be jealous of one another. We rejoice with those that are victorious. And we're sensitive to those that are hurting and are in need. That's the heart of God. That we really love one another. That we really care about one another. So my first point is we should demonstrate good fruitfulness in our lives. My second point is pruning develops greater fruit. Jesus is telling his disciples he's going away. In John 15, 1-8, he says, I am the grapevine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. When we are connected to the vine, when we are connected to the source, there will be fruit. If there's no fruit, if there's no godly fruit in our lives, I have to wonder about our relationship with him. If people say that they're a Christian and there's no fruit in their life, if people say that, there's a Christ, that they are Christians but they're living these lifestyles that we just talked about, I have to wonder, are you really a Christian? Because here's the thing, Jesus didn't just come to get us saved. He came that we would become disciples. Do you know what a disciple is? A disciple is someone that follows after whoever they're, they're following. They, they submit to their authority. They submit to their teachings. They go out and live it. And so Jesus didn't come just so that we could get saved. Yes, that's part of it. But that's only the beginning. He came that we would live the abundant life. He came that we would become disciples and live it out and then make other disciples. Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them, knowing that I'll be with you. And so we as a church, we are doing that not, not only here in Kima, League City area, but across the world as we're investing in other ministries. Resurrection Sunday in April, we'll, we'll, have the sun, we'll be a part of the sunrise service. Reaching out to our community. I anticipate five, 600 people there. Many of those people don't know the Lord. They may say they're Christian, but do they really have a relationship with them? I don't know. But we are proclaiming the things of God over this city, over that area, over the people that are in our neighborhoods. And he says, I'm the true grapevine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Sometimes God is clipping off some dead limbs on our lives, some dead fruit, some dead stuff. Because he wants us to, to be alive and be full of fruit. And, and you know that when you prune a, a plant, sometimes it produces better fruit, more fruit. Have you ever had a fruit tree or something and you have like hundreds of little bitty fruit? You know, like hundreds of peaches, but they're not really that good. And then you prune it off and you get some big, plumpy, juicy ones. And so God is looking at our lives and he's saying, hey, what's that dead stuff in your life? Let's trim that off. So that you can be healthy. And he, he goes on to write, you've already been pruned by, and purified by the message I've given you. So we know the message. We have this relationship. And he, said, he goes on to say, remain in me and I will remain in you. That's the key, that we stay connected to the source. For a branch cannot produce fruit 
if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So even the good things that we do are a result of the Holy Spirit. When we do these good things, it's because of the Spirit living in us. We are the conduit, maybe. But how many times have we done something nice or kind, but it's initiated by the Spirit of God speaking to us? Go bless them. I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't have thought of giving them $100. Man, that $100 is mine. No, it's not. It's mine. Go give it to them. (laughs) When we realize that we are just stewards of everything that God has given us, I mean, when we, if we can get out of this mindset that it's all mine and say it's all his, and I just get to steward it, what a blessing that is. And he says, yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And you cannot, you cannot bear good fruit if you're disconnected from me. And so that's why we talk about this relationship so often with him. Because he is the source. We have electricity running through the walls and in the electrical lines. But if we don't plug into it, we don't have any power. And if we disconnect from the Lord, we disconnect from the power. The power that could save us. The power that does save us. The power that works through us. The power that sustains us. The power that anoints us to go and do his work. The power that allows us to live the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So again, I don't know how much clearer Paul can be. He's like, you need to stay connected to the source to have good fruit, to have a lot of fruit, to have abundant fruit. I've shared with you guys, uh, my friend Elliot, he has a, a, a lemon tree. And the lemons that, that that tree produces are like this big. They're massive. <laughs> They're amazing. And, and so when we think of a lemon, we think of something about the size of a baseball, maybe. But when God thinks of the fruit of our lives, he thinks of like bowling ball lemons. <laughs> and that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to so fill us with, with so much love and so much of him that, that the fruit is just massive. People taking note because of the fruit. Of us, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, all of the fruit of the Spirit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and and it will be granted. So God wants to give us good things, but... The motivation shouldn't be, well, I want this for me. But Lord God, what do you want? What do you want to give me that that I can then go and share with other people? Or that can be used to further your kingdom? Or to reach out to people and share the hope and the love of Christ with them? When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Bam! When you produce a lot of fruit, it's evidence that you're true disciples of Christ. In other words, let's look at it the other way. If you're not producing a lot of fruit, maybe you're not a true disciple of Christ. Remember, he didn't come just to save us. He came that we would become committed followers of his disciples. And he goes on to say, this brings great 
glory to my Father. So my first point is we should demonstrate good fruitfulness in our lives, not bad fruit. Pruning develops greater fruit. Pruning can hurt. Pruning can be painful. I don't know what it's like to have my arm cut off. And if I were a vine, I don't know what it would feel like to have that limb cut off. But it produces greater, better fruit. And then my third point is live a life that produces great fruit. Matthew 7, 1 1 and 2 says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. How are you treating other people? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I'm a Christian. Prove it. What did James say? He said, I'll I'll prove to you that I'm a Christian by the way that I live. I'm not just going to say it. He said in James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, therefore deceiving yourself. Do the word. Don't just talk about it. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Are we gracious toward other people? Get them, God! But have mercy for me, Lord. (laughs) Are we walking around with a log in our eye and and talking about the speck in someone else's eye? (laughs) So, are we praying for those that are struggling? Because probably somebody was praying for us at one point in time when we were. Matthew 7, 15 says, Beware of false prophets. Oh, wait, wait, I missed the point here. We can't judge, but we can inspect fruit. Okay? So we're not called to judge, but we can be fruit inspectors. Is there fruit? And the first place we need to start is in the mirror. Is there fruit in my life? And then the people that are pouring into us, do we see the fruit of the Spirit in their lives? Not perfect people. But do they have the love of God in their life? Are they bringing godliness into my life? Are they bringing encouragement into my life? Are they, are they living out the Word of God? He goes on, uh, Matthew goes on to write, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves seeking to destroy. Vicious wolves. And they come into churches sometimes. The enemy will plant vicious wolves. They look like a sheep. They may smell like a sheep. But inside, they don't have the heart of a lamb. They have the heart of a wolf. And so that's why we need discernment. That's why we need the Spirit of God. Something doesn't seem right with this person or this relationship or whatever. And it could be that the Lord is is giving you some insight and saying, Hey, hey, I want you to be careful, be cautious. And eventually... You'll see the fruit. You'll see the fruit will be revealed. We don't always see it in the physical, but sometimes God will give us spiritual insight into what's going on. And sometimes God removing people out of your life is a huge blessing. (laughs) You know, if if you've got a bad relationship and, and God breaks that tie, you know, maybe that's him doing you a favor and blessing your life. You can identify them talking about Wolves, vicious wolves, you can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. So now we see a direct correlation. The fruit is correlated to the way we act. Love. 
Are we really loving people? Or, or do we just talk about it? Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree, can produce, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. The world is looking for people that, that say they're Christians and demonstrate it by the fruit in their lives. Because there are a lot of people that say they're Christian, but you look at the fruit of their lives. Again, I'm, you know, we're not judging them. We're, we're evaluating the fruit. What, what is the fruit in their lives? What is the fruit in my life? And, not, and, and then this scripture is perplexing to me. He, he goes on to say, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Get away from me who are faking it, who say you're a Christian, but you're really not. We don't have a relationship. There's, there is power in the name of Jesus. But there's greater power in our relationship with him. So we should demonstrate good fruitfulness in our lives. Pruning develops greater fruit. Live a life that produces great fruit. And we can only do that by staying connected to the source, by staying connected to the vine, by staying connected to Jesus. Jesus.